as we peer into God's Word this morning, Exodus chapter 39, verses 42 and 43. I'm about to read two verses of Scripture that I'm literally amazed are even in the Bible. I can hardly believe that they're found within the pages of God's Word But uh, follow with me in your copy of the scriptures. Would you stand as I read from Exodus uh, chapter 39 verses 42 through 43. The scripture says, The Israelites had done all the work just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Moses inspected the work and saw that they had done it just as the Lord had commanded. So Moses blessed them. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, the witness of Scripture, the witness of your Holy Spirit is that in this time and place, in the life of the children of Israel. They completed the task, they completed the assignment you gave them. So Father, teach us from your word this morning the lessons that we too, that we, your children in this generation, might complete the task, the assignment you have given to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated, please be seated. You may not uh, find this passage uh, riveting to your mind and your attention, but as you recall, the Lord had commanded the children of Israel to give a free will offering. Why? To supply the necessary materials for the construction of, of the tabernacle or the the place where they would be worshiping the Lord as they moved through the desert. But he not only provided the materials, he also commanded them to build and prepare all the things required to furnish the tabernacle. And the scripture records that the sons of Israel actually did it. They actually did it. Not only did they do it, but they did all the work that the Lord commanded them to do. You know, and that's kind of hard to believe. It's hard to believe that this same group of people followed the Lord in every detail in this particular instance because this is the same group of people who, even though they saw countless miraculous events leading up to their exodus as they were led out into the desert for three to four days when there was no water and and food was getting scarce, they began to whine and they began to complain. This is the same group of people who after receiving the Ten Commandments from the Lord God and hearing them, When God called Moses to come up and to continue the conversation with him and and he was 
on the mountain with God for 40 days, they figured that was too long. They grew impatient. And, and instead of just complaining and whining, no, they created or had Aaron create an idol. And they worshipped a golden calf. So you can understand while I'm kind of surprised that this text says in this instance they did everything, they completed the task. How did they do this? And then more importantly, how can we do that? How can we complete the task that the Lord God has commanded us to perform? What is that task the Lord's commanded us to perform? You know, there are a lot of ways we as a church have sought to express it. We express it through our purpose statements and our, our vision and our, and our goals, but the most current expression of that has been boiled down to three statements. And the first one is love God, right? Love God. And the second one is love people, people. And the third statement is what? Multiply disciples. Multiply disciples. How will we complete that task? How will you and I enter into a relationship with God to such a degree that the love we have for Him is expressed everywhere we go? And that love relationship with God is expressed towards people and they sense the God-empowered love flowing through our lives. How will we complete a task of multiplying disciples? How will we do that? Well, let's look at the text and see the principles we can learn. Again, this is taken from a large section of Scripture, so I won't take the time to read all the, the verses. But if you look back in Exodus chapter 35... Verse 1 through 36, 7, you're going to see a principle there. And that principle is this, that the people of Israel used God's resources that were entrusted to them. As you recall, when the sons of Israel left the land of Egypt, they did not go out empty-handed. The scripture tells us that the sons of Israel literally plundered the people of Egypt, meaning the people of Egypt said, Listen, all these plagues and all this that we've experienced, just get out of here. Take the gold, take my silver, just get out of here. The only person that didn't really, who was reluctant to get the people out was who? Pharaoh, right? He was the one that was, he was the hiccup here. The Egyptians were more than willing to give their material possessions. So who was responsible for the wealth in the hands of the children of Israel? It was God. God provided the resources. And so when he asked, when he told them to give a, a free will offering, they gratefully shared what had just been given to them. But not only were they given resources, you see that they were given special people. People who could help build this worship center, this tabernacle, this tent of meeting. And there were people that were filled with the Spirit and given the gift of what? Craftsmanship. The ability with their hands to mold and to build the implements of worship. To design and to sew and to prepare the tent that would be the place of worship. And so people like Bezalel and Aholiab are mentioned. They were given to the church 
or to the people of God there so that they would have the skills necessary to carry out the task. And not only did they have the skills, they could teach others and instruct others in how to do this. You know, so often, though, we focus on our own resources. And we look at our own resources. And when we look at just what we have, we feel like that little boy who was listening to Jesus and all he had was a little sack lunch. And he's like, what can I give? What can I give? When you look just at your own resources, you realize they are limited. But when you realize that what you have has been given to you by God, has been provided by Him, and then you think of what He's done in our church and the people that are here, the resources that are here are God's resources. And I'm convinced that the reason they completed the task is because they knew the resources were from God. Second thing I think we see in this text is another important statement in chapter 35. Look over at chapter 35, verse 21. In chapter 35, verse 21, it says this, And everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting. I think we see in this text here that there was a unique occurrence in the lives of the sons of Israel. At this particular time, there was a unique work of God. Certainly they were the holders of resources. Certainly they were the holders of God's resources. But there was something unique that was happening in their lives. Something in their personal experience with God. The scriptures that we just read says their hearts were stirred. That means internally the Lord God began to agitate and move upon their hearts. And you know that's the need in our lives today. Today as you worship the Lord God you may feel close to him, and, and you may be celebrating this time of worship, or as you've gathered to worship today, you may be hurting and, and crying out to him. Regardless of where you are, God wants to work in your heart. He wants to draw you closer to him. He wants to challenge you where you are. He wants to internally motivate you to accomplish what he's calling us to accomplish. Think about that. Could there be anything more exciting than God working in your heart and Him internally driving you or leading you towards His vision for your life? The vision not only for your life, but for our whole church. They're not... The work had not begun on, on the tent of meeting yet. All they had done was be begin to bring resources. And yet God was working in their hearts. And, and they saw before it was even built or before it was even designed. They saw what God was going to do. Has the Spirit of God moved you? Do you sense Him showing you what He wants to do in and through you? What he wants to do in and through this fellowship called First Baptist? The third thing I see in this text is to believe God for the tangible results. I think we see in chapter 36 
all the way through 39. It's a long passage of scripture. But I believe we see in God's word that the sons of Israel were able to complete the task. Not only because of the resources and not only because of the vision, but they were willing to believe God. They were willing to believe God for tangible results. And I believe this is clearly spelled out because of the fact that they carried out the specific demands of God with anticipation, with expectation. They actually believed that their resources and God's vision, trusting Him to go forward, it could be completed. And so they listened. They listened to God's instructions. They followed Him. The servants that He gave them with those craftsmen skills, they learned from them and they performed the task. They didn't just have vision. They didn't just have resources. They got involved in the nitty-gritty details of what's involved. And there comes a time when we must do the work. There comes a time when our belief in God propels us to go forward and to literally do the work. We enter into the thick of the daily routine. And to be honest, again, I, as I stated at the beginning, I can hardly believe that verses 42 and 43 in chapter 39 are really there. Because I would think, surely, based on their track record, this group of people would have blown it. Surely, somewhere in this process, somebody said, we're going to fudge a little on this project. And we're not going to do it quite right. But according to the scripture, according to, to what the Bible says, they did all the work according to all that the Lord commanded. How is that possible? How is that possible? I think the final point expresses it. As a people, they relied on God's forgiveness. Yes, I know they had been entrusted with resources. God gave them a clear vision. They knew what he wanted to do. And they, by faith, were going to walk through it, even if it was plotting at times, even if it was monotonous. They were going to go, they were going to be faithful to walk through it. But that's not what got them all the way through by any means. What is it that kept them from just falling flat on their faces, embarrassing themselves, embarrassing the people of God? What is it that kept them? Could it be that the sons of Israel were actually relying, at least in this moment, at least with this project, at least at this time, they were relying upon the grace and the mercy of God to enable them to complete this task. I mean, we've seen just a, a few scriptures, a few chapters earlier, they had royally blown it. I mean, before the mountain of God, where they had heard the Ten Commandments from the voice of God, that same mountain, they had built 
a gold calf and worshiped an idol. Just 40 days earlier, God had said, no other gods before me, no graven images. They had blown it royally. But yet, even though they had committed this high-handed sin, God spared their lives. They knew God had the right to take their lives, and yet the Lord God forgave them. He spared them. And he not only, get this, he not only spared them, but now he's given them a task. He's given them a sacred task to perform. How can a sinful people perform a sacred task? It could only be accomplished if they walked daily, moment by moment, in the forgiveness, in the grace, in the mercy of God. The only way this group of people could have completed that project without skimping or fudging is if they had walked in the grace and the mercy of God moment by moment. Brothers and sisters, if we're willing to be obedient to the Lord, if we're willing to move forward and to strive and to complete the task the Lord is calling us to, I guarantee you one thing we can definitely count on is that we're going to make mistakes. We're going to blow it. I tell you, one of the greatest things I love about First Baptist Church, Tifton, there are some smart people here. I mean, you got people that are academics. We got people who are incredible in business. We got people who are educators. I mean, this is like a Christian brain trust or whatever. I, I mean, it's incredible. What's going to keep somebody from thinking they've got all the answers? What's going to keep a church that that's, that's that gifted and talented from having all kinds of conflict? I tell you what it is. It's what? It's the grace and mercy of God realizing every one of us is a sinner. Everyone apart from the grace of Jesus Christ is lost. It's last year's Easter egg. Amen? I mean, that's right. Apart. So it doesn't matter how smart, how talented, how gifted. If we're not humble before the Lord... If we're not dependent moment upon moment on his forgiveness based on the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why we gather. That's why we worship. It's all about him. Well, you know, we're almost 130 years into this. 30 years ago, First Baptist Church was a uh, hundred years old, and uh, members of the church were commissioned to write a history. And it's been thirty years since this was written, so I reckon whoever's really young. Around here, 70 years from now, when we get to 200, you're going to be writing it, okay? So just, you might want to get the book and start prepping. But here's my question that I ask you 
when they write this history book 70 years from now, will they include these words? The fellowship of First Baptist Church did all the work according to all that the Lord commanded them. Were those words be recorded here about us? Will we as a church complete the task that God is calling us to perform? Are you personally, are you personally able to complete the task that God is calling you to perform inside this fellowship and in this community? How will you do it? Based on this scripture, you can't in your own resources, but you can in the resources that God has provided you and this fellowship. You can't with your own plan, but if you allow the Holy Spirit of God to stir your heart so that a vision statement for our church becomes your personal marching orders. It's not just something you remember and recite. It is something that is a part of your heart and your life. That will give you, that vision will give you the focus to turn maybe sometimes monotonous steps not into drudgery, but into accomplishing the specific task that God has for you and for our church. And brothers, sisters, we must rely on His forgiveness moment by moment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we worship You. We thank You for Your Word that instructs, that challenges us, that calls us to go forward with you. Lord, we pray that your grace, your mercy, your strength, your resources would enable us to complete everything you've asked us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.